Welcome back. The work of archaeologists and historians tends to go a lot of ways hand in hand. While the historian strives to uncover the story and align it with the facts to properly account for its truth and keeps those memories alive, the archaeologist looks to uncover the physical remains of our past and bring them to the eyes and the interests of people today. The labors of archaeologists and historians alike are important because people like to know the truth, to understand the truth to the best of their ability, and ultimately reflect upon it. The history uncovered here satisfies the basic human need to know where we came from and possibly better understand our own human nature today. And while that general scope of these roles goes well beyond the mere interest of Freemasonry, it also doesn't pass it over, not by a long shot. This evening, we have a special guest joining us who shares a deep affinity with Masonic artifacts. We're going to look at some of his vast collection, understand how he came across them, and get a little bit of the why we see this growing passion in a thing we call Masonic archaeology. All this and more right after this on Historical Light. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects of Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers. I am a past master of Gardner Lodge number 65 here in Gardner, Kansas, and currently serving as director of the Lodge of Research under the Grand Lodge of Kansas. We have with us this evening, very special guest, Brother Brandon Corbett. Brother Brandon, if you don't mind, I'll hand it over to you for further introductions. I'm Brandon Corbett. I'm the current master of Goodland Lodge number 321, uh, past master of Millbrook Lodge 281 in Hill City, Kansas. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, no, thank you for having, or I'm sorry, thank you for coming on. <laughs> no, we had some technical difficulties getting you on here in the beginning, so thank you for uh, sticking through that and you know, I think we say about every episode here on Historical Light, one thing we have history of, it's technical difficulties. So we just roll with it. And, uh, yeah, right. It's kind of our niche. <laughs> All right. Before we do jump into the uh, the meat of this episode, we do want to give you guys an opportunity to join the Historical Light team here. You can do that by jumping over to our website, historicallight.com backslash support and uh, support the show through Patreon. By doing that, you can help us grow and get bigger and keep bringing you content uh, as we have been doing since 2016 and love to do. So if you want to join the team, historicallight.com slash support, we would appreciate it. Well, brother, we definitely want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. I got in touch with you. I want to say it was through Tracy Bloom, right? He uh, yep. got you in touch with me. So you have an affinity that Robert and I both share uh, in mm -hmm. Masonic history. Uh, yours has aligned more in physical artifacts. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, it started about probably six years ago for me. Um, we were in an antique store actually in Dodge City, Kansas. And I uh, I found a couple items that were Masonic. And I thought, you know, I kind of like to have those. And I went home and thought, what the heck am I going to do with them? So I put them on a shelf. Well, every antique store I went to, which is every town we go to, we go to an antique store and it just kind of 
snowballed, I guess is the best way to put it. Now I've got, uh, I've got a pretty large collection. Um, and it's a little bit of everything. I, I collect Shriner stuff. Um, I will, I will pick up Eastern star stuff when I see it, but I usually donate it to an Eastern star member. Um, majority of my stuff, I try to focus on Kansas. Obviously if I see, if I'm cruising eBay or next tech and somebody has something that catches my eye, that's not necessarily Kansas stuff. I'll definitely buy it. But, uh, it's it, it kind of all, all my collection centers around Kansas masonry, Kansas shrine, um, here and there artifacts uh, from other jurisdictions. But th I like to stay. I like to stay in Kansas. I like Kansas history. I like. I'm a, I'm a huge history guy either way. But Kansas right. some history really really intrigues me. I hear you, man. I, I'm the same ways. Anything Masonic kind of gets me. But obviously, when you see something, something from Kansas, uh, I mean, it's the home turf, right? It definitely exactly. touches you a different way. So exactly. what is it that got you into Freemasonry? Do you have family history in Freemasonry before you? You know, uh, I do now. I don't. Uh, I didn't when I started. Um, I actually was taking my kids. They were really small at the time to a, to a, a babysitter there. I, like, I grew up in Salina. And uh, his name was Brother Andrew Steerwalt. Um, he's passed okay. away now, but that was my Masonic father. And I, he, he would chase me to my car every morning and go, are you ready to become a Mason? And I, and I come up with every excuse I could to put him off. And then they had a friends of Mason's night one night. And I told him, okay, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go to it. I said, it's not going to hurt to go to it. And I loved it. I thought it was one of the most interesting things I've ever been in. Um, just to hear the, the other brothers talk about it and uh, the passion they had actually made me think, wow, this is something I could probably get into. Um, I joined and uh, I, not, I was about a year and a half after I joined, I actually moved to Hill City, Kansas. But I stayed in contact with Andy for uh, up until his passing. But uh, this last year, I was uh, honored enough to bring my father into it, which we kind of went backwards, but it, it worked out real well. So uh, me and my father are both Masons from Goodland Lodge now. Uh, he actually resides with me. So we get to go to lodge every two weeks together and it's, 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 it's brought us a lot closer. Plus that's fantastic. It is. It is. It's been, it's been a really awesome experience. And you know, you hear, you hear the, the dads talk about raising their son. It's nothing like raising your dad though. I mean, it, it's a pretty, it, it makes the whole room stop. It was a really, really cool, cool deal. I, I know my uh, my boys will definitely be interested in masonry, but until I get that, I have uh, raised my father. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You know, so that's that's one thing you uh, share in common with our current grandmaster, Most Wishful Stoops, uh, is that he came in and then he raised his father into masonry as well. I know he's very, very proud of that fact. Exactly. Yeah, we uh, I think we've all been in lodge when a brother raises a family member, whether it be a, a dad or a or a, a son or, or a a, a son-in-law and and there's a there's a special moment there there really is and yes uh the guy that top line your bottom line you could raise you but there's nothing like a family member that's for sure i fully agree with you there so and yeah, everyone here watching it has, has heard my story five times <laughs> but you know i've got five generations going back knew nothing about freemasonry except seeing it on the the headstones it was my mm -hmm. father-in-law that that made that connection for me and it yeah 
without words, it was so special to, you know, have him to bring me through that path and, and be my mentor in that. So I definitely get that. That reverse role is interesting though. That would, it is. that would be it pretty is. neat to be able to raise your it father. Was, uh, it was the first one that I'd ever actually seen and I was a part of it, which was neat, but uh, it was, I think the first one that majority of Goodland Lodge has ever seen too. So it, it worked out, it worked out really neat. Now, Goodland Lodge there, you guys are a pretty famous lodge in Kansas over the last several years. Uh, for those of you, <laughs> yeah, for everyone out there watching that may not know what I'm referring to, our Kansas Masonic Foundation for the last several years now has done a very neat car raffle auction. Um, basically, we, we sell these raffle tickets. Uh, they bring in this classic car. It's a surprise every year. They've kind of upped themselves year after year. And it's a great uh, program because these raffle tickets sell for $20, $15 of every raffle ticket goes right back into the Kansas Lodge uh, that that member belonged to uh, with no money coming out of the lodge. The KMF puts up the money for the car and all the promotion and everything. They only keep $5 out of the ticket to man the costs that mm -hmm. the program uh, coincides with. But Goodland Lodge has been that lodge to beat for years now. I don't think have you guys lost a single one at this point? Not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> our guys, our guys work their tail off. They really do. We have a couple of events that we advertise at. Um, we've got, we've had the luck of uh, using a couple of the dealerships there in Goodland. Um, it's worked out really, really well. We uh, we have a good, good following, a good strong following. But there's also a lot of hot rod guys out here. There's a definitely. We, we have, I mean, that we have. For, for a town our size, we have one of the best hot rod shows in, in Kansas. And they'll, they'll turn out three or 400 cars. So these car guys get there. And, you know, of course, when one buys one, the other one has to, too. It's kind of like Monic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, and you yeah, guys, you guys are so far. You guys are so far west in Kansas. Are you in a different time zone? Yes. Are you central we're, time we still? We are mountain time zone. Uh, we are exit 17 on uh on i-70 so we're 17 miles from colorado <laughs> so about as far kansas as you can get before it, you it, yeah fall off you, the map. Uh, you, you <laughs> i think if you go far enough a little bit further west than goodland you will fall off the face of the earth i'm, I'm pretty sure of it <laughs> uh, yeah pretty sure that does <laughs> So that's cool. So you've had the opportunity to share this Masonic journey with your father mm -hmm. uh, that has turned into something very, very uh, enjoyable for yourself. You've taken on this interest for Masonic history uh, in, in the form of artifacts that we see all around you. And we're going to take a closer look at here shortly. Um, I'm curious, though, what's your father's interest in artifacts? Does he share in this interest with oh, you? Or? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we generally travel... Probably once every couple of weeks, we'll go to to a different town and hit an antique store. And I go one way and he goes the other and we meet in the middle and, and see what we find. But, yeah, there's there's definitely something there when you uh, when you can hear the other one say found something on the other side of the room. It's it's it's, it's like a treasure hunt. And, uh, you know, sometimes you find really neat stuff and sometimes you find stuff that's priceless to me. So. But Agreed. It, I kind of, yeah, I come across that a lot. It's, and some people think it's worth a million dollars and some people have no idea what they have. But every yeah. time that we buy something from an antique store or uh, 
a flea market or garage sale, I always take the time to explain to them what it is that I'm buying and why I'm buying it. I don't just say, right. I'll take this and leave. I always say, you know what Freemasonry is? You know, it, I, I, I like to take a couple minutes just to explain to them why I was so excited to find it. And in hopes that maybe they'll do some research and go, hey, you know, this is something I might be interested in as well. So definitely. Well, you know, I think it's important to uh, to bring up there as well that obviously we both spend a lot of time in antique shops, flea markets and whatnot. These people find these old artifacts and I'm thankful to them. It, it's a double edged sword. And I get yeah. we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, because the market has taken kind of a, a turn that I'm not too fond of because anything anymore Masonic, they think it's some kind of witchcraft craziness. So they want to put this huge price tag on it and only sell it to people that have no honest respect for it. I digress. We'll get to that in a minute. We run into a lot, and I'm sure you see this all the time too, mislabeled items, stuff that's oh, yeah. not Masonic for another fraternity, another organization, um, but they think it's Masonic. They label as such. And uh, do you go to uh, any labors to correct them on that? Absolutely. Um, I was actually a little over a year ago. I was down in Wichita, down in your neck of the woods. And uh, I was in an antique store down there, and they had a Scottish Rite hat labeled as a Odd Fellows hat. And it was like $4 or something. It was just so – <laughs> I, I, I took it up there, and I said, I'm going to go ahead and buy this, but I'm going to tell you about it first. Yeah. And I kind of – I, did, I wouldn't say schooled them, but I but I took the time to say, hey, you know, this is this is the square and compass. If you find anything like that, that's what that is. And just explain it to them, because a lot of these people, you know, especially especially antique store people, it, if they know what they're looking for, they you know, I always I always leave my phone number or business card with them as, mm -hmm. as, as well as I'm sure you do, too. But I always try to try to tell them, you know, if you see a Shriner deal, this is what it has on it. Please call me if you get anything. And I and we get yep. calls all the time for the stuff, and we either have it shipped or we go down and pick it up, which wherever it may be. But um, there there is a lot of mislabeling. Odd Fellows uh, seems to be one of my the one out here I see a lot of. Uh, mm -hmm. If it's if, if they're a Mason, they got to be Odd Fellows and vice versa. And, and I you know you, it's it's not the, it's not the same thing, and you have to explain that to them. Um, Demo lay. I have a lot of demo lay stuff that came with Masonic stuff. Yes, it is. It is Masonic technically, but uh, most people think demo lay and Eastern Star and Shrine are exactly the same, and, mm. and 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 you get that a lot too. You'll you'll see something labeled as Masonic Shriner something. Well, yes, it is, but no, it's not. So uh, I always take the time to just just talk to talk to whoever has it. And, and explain to them, you know, this is what you're looking for. I'm going to leave my card. I'll draw a symbol on the card so you know what it looks like. And, yep. and I've had pretty good luck to go in that route. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm sitting here and right in front of my keyboard, I've got a antique dealer's card because <laughs> I do the same thing. I, you know, I go into these places and spark these chats and it's worked out great for me because I get a lot of phone calls. Um, and just being a history nerd, I'll get the nice thing is this guy here in front of me, he emails me probably once a month. He'll get something in. Rarely is it Masonic. Um, I've learned a ton about groups I didn't even know exist because he'll send me some really cool medallion. I'm like, what the hell is that? Exactly. So then yeah. I'm on a research tangent. I'm like, no, it's not Masonic. It's this. Yep. Um, but the nice thing is then he gives me first dibs on something if, you know, if I, if I do want it. Big factor there, though, is 
you know, even if it's something I'm not personally going to get, my big thing is just saving the item. I hate yep. to see this stuff end up in the trash. I hate to see this stuff end up in the wrong hands. We, we talk about these people that have uh, misconceptions about mm -hmm. Freemasonry and they buy up these items. And I'm like, I just, I'd so much rather it go somewhere that they're going to respect it and, you know, take care of it and preserve that history, find out where it came from. And that's so. what started me. The biggest part was, is, you know, I, it, it, the best way to explain it is, you know, I, I've got a, I've got a pretty large collection of fezzes. And mm -hmm. every time I buy a fez, I always tell whoever I buy it from, I said, you, you have no idea how proud the guy that received this fez was. You know, he right. went he went through through the shrine, made it all the way through, and he got fezzed that evening or afternoon, whatever it may be, how they do it in that uh, jurisdiction. But uh, he got fezzed, and there was a night that he couldn't be prouder than to have that fez. Just like, as, as I'm sure you see, the the aprons and the blue tubes that that don't get yeah. to go with the with the brother. Um, I buy a lot of those, and uh, I always tell the people. I said, you know, you you have no idea how how happy and how proud that guy was that night to receive that. You know, to you, it's just a blue tube with with a lambskin in it, but to us, it's everything. I mean, that's that's what made us a mason. And right. It, and it's and it's a very emotional time. It's a very proud time. You know, everybody in that room is proud. I said, you just to you, it's something material but to us it's a lot more than it's material yeah definitely you know i mean uh so we're talking about the white aprons and the tubes that don't make it to the uh the brother's funeral for one reason or another they didn't want it the family didn't want it it, it happens um but they're still worth preserving just like you exactly. said and you can see in the background that frame right there is my great grandfather's white masonic apron and i didn't even know it existed until Christmas one year, my mom gave it to me. I think my uncle actually passed it along, but it was folded up into a tiny envelope, just, you know, shoved in a closet for all those years. But thankfully someone preserved it. And I was able to be installed as master of my lodge in my great grandfather's apron and then hung it up and it'll, it'll be there to pass on down to the next generation. But yeah, th you know, th those are memories that are so easily and so often lost. Mm -hmm. Um, they definitely do, you know, deserve to be remembered in some fashion exactly. for sure. Exactly. It's, it, you know, we talk about Masonic history, but you know, those artifacts, those are our history. You know, yes, we, yeah. we, we, uh, we bring down words. We, uh, we bring down uh, degrees, but when we go out in public, you know, a ring that says uh, Freemason on it, if our mm -hmm. grandfather wore that, then that was part of his history and now it's part of my history. And that's, that's what we have to do. That, that's, that's how, that's how we've lost track of so much history and masonry because people weren't keeping it or weren't passing it down. And that's what this is all about. This is about bringing your son in or your, your son-in-law or your nephew or whatever it may be. You got to keep that tradition going. And, and, and Freemasonry is huge on tradition and, and, the world in itself has kind of got got away from tradition, traditional things, especially traditional things they don't know about. Oh, definitely. You know, kind of tying into this this conversation of archaeology and Freemasonry, 
in some of the stuff we're going to see in your collection tonight, uh, i.e. the, the uh, neon lights and whatever you have, I think it's really cool in that archaeological standpoint that that version or that look into Freemasonry there, how it changes over time. And we can kind of see the essence or the soul, if you will, of Masonry, how it looked, how it felt through the years by the items, the artifacts that they had and how those have, gen you know, it stays with the square and compass. Yes, but you can see the difference going through time. The evolution of it. Yeah, exactly. And that in itself, I think, is really special. Uh, especially from that archaeological standpoint to see kind of the progression of where masonry is going, the interests that take on from it. Uh, you know, early on, we had a lot of use of skulls and it kind of mm -hmm. disappeared for a while. Now we're seeing that interest come back. And, you know, that that's really neat to be able to see that that transgression of it throughout the uh, the physical elements of our our artifacts that we have out there. Exactly. Yeah, there's, you know, uh, I, I heard I heard a good, good good conversation one night between me and Brother Trent McCain and Atwood. He uh, is actually at an area meeting. He stood up and he says, one of the biggest biggest things that we don't have anymore is nobody wears Masonic stuff. You know, it used to be when he was growing up and when I was growing up, and I'm assuming when you were growing up too, you've seen Masonic decals on the back of vehicles. You've mm -hmm. seen people wearing Masonic rings, and you don't see that as much anymore. And Brother Trent McCain, he, he made a statement that I'll always remember. And he says, you know, when you go out in public, you wear your favorite NFL hat or your favorite college's sweatshirt. Because why aren't you wearing Masonic stuff? You're way more involved in the masonry and the shrine stuff than you are in that college. And it, and it stuck with me. And I always thought, you know, he's right. And uh, I, I try to wear a pin or a ring or a hat or anything I can when I go out in public. And you'd be surprised how many people stop and ask or even say, hey, brother. And, it, and it's, it's neat to know that you can go to wherever in the world and everybody recognizes that symbol. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's uh, let's move into talking about some of your items. Before we do that, I want to take a quick look at some of the comments we got coming through our platforms. Uh, just so you guys know, we're going out live over multiple places in Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. I don't know if anyone watches on Twitch, but it was an option, so we did it. Why not, right? All right, we've got uh, Brother Maurice on here. we got Brother Justin Staley. Thank you guys for joining in. Of course, my wife, Yvette Powers, she's always uh, helping us out. She's kind of our intern and board, I guess, always doing the share and getting us out there. Brother Joe Martinez, Brother Patrick Carr, great to see you, brothers. And I did see a question down here. I wanted to hop on real quick. Where did it go? My apologies. Uh, Gracious Greek over on YouTube says, what is the oldest archaeological evidence of masonry? Was the oldest evidence anything of anything similar? Uh, there's ancient mosaics that depict similar ideas of the degrees. Man, you know that we might have to save that for the end of the episode because that <laughs> right there is a rabbit hole to get into um, just right off the bat. I don't think anyone could tell you the oldest verified there's there's a lot of symbolism in there that's that's borrowed and plays through uh many different ways um i don't know let me think about it you know right off the bat i'm thinking uh probably the the regis manuscript uh I, 
I think is probably the oldest artifact that we have physically showing Freemasonry. Um, but yeah, let me let me chew around that. If anyone else has ideas, throw that in the comments. Uh, we also got brother bringing up. Where did I see it? Brother Thomas Bowen, Saturday, November 13th, 4 p.m., Old Oak Tree in Kansas, the Old Oak Lodge. I'm sorry. Uh, that is held annually outside under an oak tree, which uh, is kind of historic if you know about it. One of the oldest lodges that met in Kansas first held their lodge outside up on a hill uh, in the old Bur Oak Bottoms of Kansas, and their Tyler was on a horse. So I have wanted to get out to that degree for some time. And I was planning on to get it a couple months ago and it got rained out and rescheduled. So I will try my best to be there, brother. If any of the rest of you out there listening are able to make that, I hope to see you guys there. Interesting and, uh, fact. The, uh, I was raised the uh, week before that Oak Tree Lodge. My first ever actual meeting I ever went to in Freemasonry was at that Oak Tree Lodge. Is that right? It was it was a very neat experience, and it, and they are they they know how to cook. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I've seen pictures, and I'm not going to argue. Those those pictures did look delightful. Brother Bowen on here says we will give the history of the park as well at the event. I hope to get him on here sometime to share that history as well. We're definitely not going to do that before the event. So go out there and hear it firsthand. And I will do my best to meet you brothers out there. But let's see. We're about halfway through our time, so let's dig in to some of your fun artifacts that we see all around you. First of all, holy crap, you come on historical light. Are you sitting in a master's chair? I am. I'm sitting in a master's <laughs> chair. I got the, I got the complete set. Um, it actually came from Cozad Lodge in Nebraska. I had to drive quite a ways to find it, but I did find it. And so the, the, uh, the, the pillars and globes, they were both from that lodge as well. Um, I actually was... I, I don't get on Next Tech very often, but I just happened this Saturday morning to be on Next Tech, and this guy said, I have a Masonic chair for sale. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange, a guy with one chair. So I called him, and I said, I, I'd kind of like to come up and get that. And he goes, okay, well, this is my address, and I can't. I think it was in Hastings. So we drive all the way up there with this trailer, and we get there, and he goes, well, here's the chair. Do you want to see the other ones? And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I've got five other ones that look like it, but they're not as big as that. So I end up buying the whole set. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I, I have these uh, these things over here, too. I don't know what they are, but I have them. But they were in pieces because they'd come apart. I end up leaving with everything. And uh, I was, to say the least, excited. <laughs> but yeah, That I is got, insane. Yeah. Chairs. I got pillars. I've got, uh, you can kind of see the neon sign above me up there. That's actually the neon sign that was put on Hollyrood Lodge in 1952. The, uh, that is fantastic. And I, I did, you sent me a picture of that. And yeah. I know it has on one side because it is blurred out here just from the, the light. Mm -hmm. But one side's a square and compass. And I believe the other side's the Eastern Star symbol. Yep. yep. Okay. That's yep. fantastic. And then what are some of the other lights you got up there? They're hard to see, but oh, you've got several are, hanging. Those are beer lights, believe it or not. <laughs> Naturally, you got neons. You got to have them, right? Well, I got. I, I planned on putting that sign up there in my house, and we plugged it in one night, and it was way too bright to be in a room. <laughs> so uh, we end up hanging it out here in the garage. 
but uh, yeah, we built a shop out here and, and I got my grandfather, I inherited a bunch of beer lights from, but uh, we decided we were going to put that in the house and I plugged it in and I thought, whoa, that's a bit much. And you can see how bright it is up there, but. Well, I mean, it's meant to go on the side of a building to see yeah. for, you know, miles, if not, right? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be bright. It, you could definitely see it. That's for sure. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. So give us the, the nitty gritty. Kind of describe your collection. What what do you go after? What is uh, What does your collection consist of? I I don't really I, – I, I focus on Kansas masonry, but I don't uh, I don't stop there. I guess I, anything mm. uh, that I find old – I don't, I have some new stuff, but the new stuff isn't near as cool. Obviously I have, uh, I like, I like documentation is one of my big things like, uh, this, I don't know if you guys can see it, but this is actually a document from the Senate from Georgetown, South Carolina, that, uh, the lodge actually petitioned the Senate and said, Hey, during, <laughs> during the civil war, you guys burnt down our lodge and we'd really like it if you rebuild a new one. And uh, they declined in this in this letter here. They declined and they said, no, thank you. We're not going to build you another lodge. <laughs> I would have loved to see the rebuttal, but uh, I ended up getting that uh, from a dealer at one point. Um, I got I got a lot of odds and ends stuff, I guess, the best way to put it. I, I, I go after kind of the odd, the weird, you know, I, I, of course, I'm like every other collector. I have all of the... Uh, Grand Lodge proceedings from 1870 up and all that stuff. And that, and that's really neat if you have time to, to read through some of the stuff. Um, but I like, I like, uh, the wallets, the jewels, the, mm -hmm. you know, I have bars of soap with Freemasonry on them. I have, um, I'm an, I'm an ISIS uh, shrine member. So I have, these were given out to the class of uh, 1923 at uh in salina i actually have three of these but here's the 1923 fez oh wow <laughs> i've got two more of them over here you know stuff like that that you stuff that you know you know this guy was in the same building you were you know i don't know who it was right but it doesn't matter because he's a brother you know stuff like that's what i go after i, I go after the stuff that you don't see i do collect Fezes, I have a, a kind of an addiction to those a little bit, but <laughs> um, how, how many Fezes them. would you say you have? Um, probably 150. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, I'd say you do have a little bit of an addiction. <laughs> I, I sent uh, I sent a picture to you of some of the Fezes I have. That was over a year ago. Um, that was probably at that time probably half of them because i only have a table so big i could stack them on but uh yeah i've got i've got plenty of uh plenty and plenty of fezes and and i i'm a member of facebook groups like everybody else is um a couple different times i've put pictures of that those pictures of fezes on there and like i did it uh, two weeks ago i've actually got seven more in the mail that brothers are sending me so, wow. Um, uh, a lot of my fezes are ha about half and half of people I knew that passed away that uh, the family gave them to me, or uh, 
I found and found a name in them. You know, I ended up doing them that way. Uh, I've got a bunch of shrine jewels. I've got uh, shrine pins. Of course, we all know what every shriner has to have 50 pins on his on his coat. Yeah, I, I feel like historically Shriners have been the number one product producer out there because, you know, I, I'm not a Shrine, so I, I don't Shriner, I should say. I, I don't collect Shrine stuff personally, but every time I go out antiquing, I will find probably five Shrine things for every Blue Lodge thing. They, they put Star. out a lot. Eastern or Star. Eastern Star, correct, if, yes. If, if you ever need plates, Eastern Star, <laughs> they made plates for everything. Uh, if they had any event, it seemed like there was a plate. Um, Agreed. I, yeah, I actually had a whole a whole display of Eastern Star stuff, and uh, a lady contacted me from Russell, Kansas, and uh, made a comment. She goes, "You know, I, I don't have a lot of money, but I really, really liked your collection, and I ended up giving her the whole darn thing, just because I'm not Eastern Star." You know, so it doesn't it doesn't mean the same to me, just like an Eastern Star member that's, you know, a lady Eastern Star member that's not Eastern, that's not a Freemason, obviously, like they wouldn't mean it to her to her. So I uh, I ended up giving all that stuff to her and she was beyond happy. And uh, but but I knew it went somewhere that somebody could appreciate it. And that was the biggest part. For sure. Me. Most definitely. Now, I saw in your collection as well, and I don't know if uh, if you have those available to screen share. If not, I can try to pull them and do I it on don't. this end. We no worries. We'll get talking here, and I'll see if I can pull that up on my end. Now, another thing you got into collecting uh, was the monitors from Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. Shaver monitors? I have a lot of Shaver monitors just because they're they're so darn neat. They're so They're just a small book, which I don't know if I have one out here or not. Um, but, uh, they're a small book and they're, they're, they're just, a lot of them were made from 1890 to 1940, I think is when the, the, the latest one I have, but a lot of them I, I buy, you know, they all say the same thing inside, but I buy them cause there's a lot of, a lot of times there's names in there or when they were brought in with dates. And that's, that's what intrigues me. Cause there's a lot of them that you get are 1890s to 19 the, a lot of mine are the teens teens and early 20s of when uh, the brother was given those so i've 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 always just kind of had a i guess it's say an affliction with those i mean i, I love them <laughs> but you said uh, you had about how many of those you think oh there's there's well into the 50s probably wow but, yeah, those are getting slightly hard to find. I know. I know there was are. quite a bit of out of, of them out there, and I've got a few myself. But you notice them kind of toning back anymore. Yeah, they. You know, the first few of my bought, I think I paid fifty or sixty bucks a piece from, and uh, now I, I most generally give twenty dollars to thirty dollars for them. Um, a lot of times, if you buy, uh, if you find one, you can find more than one. So I'll buy a couple of them at a time, but. No, there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, ancient uh, books out there that are they're pretty interesting reads if you have time to sit down and read them. So I've got to ask, being the uh, the lodge research guy here, uh, you talked about some documents and stuff. Do you have any lodge records? I have, I have a few lodge records. I have the uh, receipt book from Dodge City Lodge, which. I'd love to return to them. 
I was going to try to get a hold of them. I bought it last year, and actually, I, I forgot I had it until you contacted me the other night, and I was kind of going through some of my stuff, and I'm like, what is this? And I opened it up, and I was like, oh, that's that Dodge <laughs> City book, or Dodge City receipt book for, for dues. And I think the the Lodge dues were $2.63 a year, and that was 1919, I think. So Wow. Yeah, and it's a full it's a full book. It's been every everything every page was used, so you kind of got to see it went it went up by like ten cents every year or so. But yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of I got a lot of uh, history. I don't display for the most part. I display the stuff like the jewels and stuff. I I don't very 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 rarely does anybody ever get to see my full collection just because. It's in my house and I live in Colby, Kansas, so nobody comes through here. But <laughs> definitely. But yeah, well, I'm there, trying there, to get those put into a file real quick and I will I will share a few of those pictures out just momentarily here. Um, I've got a question though, because so well, first of all, I want to know we when we got talking a few weeks ago, uh, Bloom got you in touch with me. You were searching down a sign. And don't have to tell us where or anything if you're still going through that. We don't put, put any competition on you. Uh, but you'd found a sign of a lodge here in Kansas uh, that was for sale out of like, Texas or something. At Houston. Houston. Um, I have not got it purchased yet because, uh, frankly, because I can't go get it and it's eight foot long. Mm. So shipping it was going to be more than I would pay for the sign. And the signs the guys wanting is pretty hefty amount. It is a double-sided sign. It is neon. All the neon's gone. So I got to factor that in as well. But uh, I, it's still out there. I I still, I check on it every day to make sure it hadn't gone anywhere. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd i like to find somebody down down in that area that could pick it up. But, boy, it's a, it's, it's a long drive from Colby, Kansas to Houston. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So I'm curious if you'll indulge us, how much would you say you've spent throughout your collection? Oh, good golly. Um, God, I don't know. I know uh, my insurance agent was out a couple weeks ago and uh, she's actually one of my very, very good friends. Um, I took her into that room and I have it insured for about as much as I paid for my house. And she walked into that room and she says, this isn't going to be enough. <laughs> I says, that's, I, I, I like that you're thinking like that, but I don't like if my insurance rates go up. But like she said, she says, right. okay, it burns down tomorrow. Where are you going to find it again? That, well, you won't. <laughs> you know, if I could find more of it, I'd already have it. <laughs> Yeah, we've got uh, we've got brother Justin Staley on here in the comments, who is actually an insurance agent for my lodge, and he's saying, "What out there for those insurance agents?" <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you guys need to come up with a special poli or policy for Masonic artifacts. There you good go. Talking. I've got majority of all my stuff taken pictures of, and I've got it put away just in case anything would happen. But and God forbid anything did because. You know, it, it, even when people come over and they're like, do you remember where you got that from? Like, well, yeah, I, I remember exactly where I got it from. But I was never smart enough to put what I paid for it on the back. 
which sure. I, which I should have. Um, you know, ne- neither have I. There, there's certain items that I remember, but thinking in the long run, that that might be an interesting thing to track, even just for your own personal means to think, you know, from back in the time when I got that and how it's changed throughout the years to mm-hmm. uh, assess the uh, the valuation that kind of goes along with those. So we've got a few pictures here. I was able to get them pulled up, at least the ones that you sent me. Uh, why don't you tell us what we're looking at here? That is actually the uh, receipt book from the Dodge City Lodge. Um, it's that not, a real cool. good, not a real good picture on there, but uh, yeah, it looks like it says this is property of John Merck. Mm-hmm. And Pro- protection, uh, lodge. protection lodge 172. And that is actually, uh, that's not even Masonic. That's Ancient Order of uh, United Workmen. Okay, we'll throw that one away then. <laughs> Let's see if we can skip here. Holy cow, there's a, there's a chunk of your collection on Fez's. There's, there's some of them. Um, I don't have, in that one, I don't think I have any of my ISIS Fez's out. The whole back of that table has got had uh, fezes on it too but obviously you can't see them um the two jackets back there i bought those were both shrine jackets uh i've pretty well quadrupled my isis collection i uh i donated my midian fez collection which i think there was only like 10 or 12 of those i donated that back actually last weekend at the sportsman event i donated it to a a noble from Midian, and he was going to take them back and make sure they got back into the hands that needed them. But that's um, fantastic. Uh, now, I noticed you you said most of your collection is uh, Kansas based. Mm-hmm. I'm not that familiar with uh, Shrine, except for the ones local to me. I'm seeing a lot of different Shrine names here. Do you know yeah. if these ones are local or if these no, are just all around? No. Those are all over the the okay. United States. Um, Shriner stuff. It. Uh, I've got a lot of ISIS shrine stuff. Um, I did have quite a bit of Midian shrine stuff, but I've given it to uh, to that noble over the last few years just when I found it because, you know, it, my, my theory has always been, you know, everybody that comes to see my collection, I always tell them the same thing. Pick something you want out of it and take it with you because it does no good in a cabinet or does no good on a shelf. If you can wear it or use it or display it, take it with you. You know, it's, this isn't about me seeing how much stuff I can get. It's about preserving our history. And if I can preserve it and pass it on to somebody else, that's excellent. That's what it's all about. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Here's a shot of some of those excellent lodge chairs you got. Mm-hmm. Now, this is pretty cool because we obviously all see lodge chairs in lodge. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Uh, I. I can't think of anyone that at least has a full set of lodge chairs. These, these are in um, excellent condition as well. Yeah, these are actually uh, the 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 vinyl had been redone on, but uh, other than that, they're all original. Um, the pictures that I got from a brother in, in Nebraska from Cozad had these in the picture when the lodge hall opened in 1870. Okay. So I, I'm assuming wow. they're the same chairs, even though it was black and white. Obviously, you can't tell, but uh, I'm assuming they it, are. It, it's hard to tell. They're definitely old. I, I, we know that. 
Um, it's, it's a common design because I know even in, we don't have them anymore, but in the old pictures of mm -hmm. Gardner Lodge, we've got this exact same style. Mm -hmm. Um, man, they, man, if that, if those, they're original from 1860, those are in just immaculate shape. They'd have obviously been taken extremely good care of, sanded down and re-varnished. There's mm -hmm. no way that's original varnish, but. No, I don't, I don't think it's original varnish, um, because I know, immaculate. I know the vinyl has been redone in them, but, uh, right. But somebody were, put a lot of care into them. Yeah. Somebody took it really, really good care of them. That's why I was, I was really packing them in as well as I could in that trailer on the way. It was a yeah. closed trailer, but I know the trailers moved and I was stopping every so many miles to make sure they weren't touching each other and everything else. But yeah. Well, yeah it, so it, it's one of those things you were talking earlier about the fezes, mm -hmm. um, kind of one of the things that hits me is Masonic Bibles, just because you think how many people throughout the years of each of these lodges took their oath, their obligations yeah. on these books. We just see them sitting on a shelf. But if you think about it, hundreds, if not hundreds and hundreds of brothers kissed that Bible and took their obligation on it. To me, that's pretty powerful. Chairs like these share a lot of that same really deep connection. Mm -hmm. Think about how many brothers going through the line of these lodges do these originate from that lodge do they pass on lodge to lodge we don't know but we know so many brothers carried out their duties within their officer line in these very chairs and that's that's just well, so cool to think and especially in the 30s 40s 50s 60s you know you go up the movers and shakers of that town wherever whichever town it may be in whether it be you know a, a town of a thousand or a town of two hundred thousand yeah, the mover, movers and shakers and the important people of that town sit in those chairs. <laughs> yeah. you know, the people that, that built these towns, especially in western Kansas, the people that built these towns were the ones sitting in these chairs. And that, you know, that, there's a lot of history in there. Oh, definitely. And that's kind of the hard side for historians to think about, because as much as we're able to track back and verify that unknown is what gets you. You'll never know exactly how much history is connected to that because you could have had some really famous guys sit oh, in those yeah. chairs. And there's, you know, sometimes you can say, well, there's a high probability, but there's so much history out there that you'll never be able to truly, you know, pinpoint or prove it to it. Let's see what else we got here. As another front of that workbook. There we go. Here's some of those uh, shavers monitors. And what else we got there? There's I can zoom in on that. Yep. Okay. So just different printings of them. Okay. Wow. So you've got kind of talking about that trans, that transition through, uh, through time there. You can see some of the oldest ones coming up to more modern, which we got right here in the middle is the most recent. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That one's from the seventies or eighties, I believe. Well, now that uh, Kansas moved over to the issue app, you just need to set your phone down there and show the most, <laughs> the most modern version, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's those pillars. That is so cool. Do and we? My shrine, I, my shrine clown car. <laughs> oh, that's a shrine clown car. That's, that's fantastic. My, that's my clown car. Yeah. <laughs> so forgive me if I missed it when we we're talking about the lodge furniture and these uh these pillars what lodge did you say they came out of they came out of cozad nebraska is where that's um, right the guy that i bought them from got them from but like we discussed you don't know with with uh with masonic lodges converging whether those pillars came from that lodge or you know you don't know where they came from they are 
they do have uh, damage on them. There's the there's the neon sign, but uh... yeah. So here we see uh, again. The, these were meant to hang on the side of a building and be seen from down the block. So yeah, I'm sure they're putting off a good amount of light in your garage. But oh, yeah. uh, I can definitely enjoy it a bit more from the photo here. You see the Blue Lodge sign on the right, and then Eastern Star represented there on the uh, on the left. When I took that in to uh, the neon place in Salina. The guy, uh, the guy said, "Do you want me to restore that sign?" I said, "No, I like it just the way it is. <laughs> it's <laughs> you can it, that that picture doesn't do it justice, but you can see it was a real dark blue when they first put it up, and I actually have pictures of yeah. the building from uh, the uh, Grand Lodge. Actually, got me the pictures, and I believe that come from the Lodge of Research from the the collection where the Grand Master that went around to all the lodges and took pictures." Yeah, Grandmaster Robison. Yeah, yes, uh, nineteen fifty-six. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a fairly new sign when he got a picture of it. And it was a real dark blue. It's really pretty, but I, I like that old look the way the way it looks right now. So I just left it. The oh, only, definitely. Only original it, piece of neon in it is actually the blue part for the compass. Okay. Uh, the rest of it was broke or damaged or didn't work, and we wow. had to go through. But that's the only original piece with the original color in it. The rest of them, they were able to get uh, samples off of and make them the original colors. But that's the only one that I know for a fact that's exactly what it was. Man, so you had to invest in that to uh, yeah, it bring that back just, to life. It was, a, it was a chase after I found out somebody had it near Hayes. And we chased it down. I found the guy. I paid little to nothing for the sign i'll be honest with everybody i think i paid 300 dollars for the sign i spent way more than that getting it working <laughs> but Man. uh um yeah i i definitely got the sign and the guy was so happy for me to get it because his grandfather was a mason and that's why he he held on to it but uh yeah he was he was so happy when i showed up there he was just i'm, I'm just so glad that a mason's coming to get it and he ended up, I think he was asking, he was asking double or triple that on the, on the, the app that I found it on. And then the guys that I was talking to trying to figure out how to get a hold of him, but. I wouldn't doubt it. We, uh, we got brother from uh, gracious Greek on here. I noticed a comment on here. He says, Oh, where did I put it? He was joking about the neon sign. And he says, neon signs are an artifact, how far we've come. And it's funny, but it's true. It's like we were talking earlier about the, you know, the transition of Mason three, uh, masonry throughout the ages. We went from meeting secretly above taverns to having known and marketed buildings with neon signs to make sure the community could see us. And, you know, it's maybe in some people's tastes and maybe some people don't like it, but nevertheless, it is part of our Masonic history and showing how masonry has progressed throughout the years. The fact that you have taken something that had an aspect of that and invested just to see it light up again. Um, you can truly tell the history lover inside you there. Cause I, I know that passion, man, it's hard to put the money out there to make that happen sometimes, but that is a deep passion to bring that back to life. I love that you didn't repaint it. No, we see this in so many temples. It's that same transition story all in itself. It, it's showing you the years of history and how it's changed throughout its life. I was up at our lodge last night. And we're 
we're uh, fixing up the lodge room right now, getting it painted. And one of the things we're doing is swapping out the lights. Well, we're taking down these 70s fluorescent fixtures. And when we take them down, you see that our white ceiling was actually this like dark lime green looking mm -hmm. underneath it. And we see that in the dining hall too. You know, you look above the drop ceiling, you got the original tin with the original paint in there. And it went from blue, pink, and white because the Eastern Star Ladies ran that. Mm -hmm. But you see that that life of masonry in that time through those colors and just how precious it was to them, how much it meant and the liveliness that existed. And it's still there if you take the chance to look. Um, I think I shared it on an episode uh, recently, but a few months ago, I had a chance to go up to uh, Adams Lodge. Uh, I believe it's Oswego, Kansas is where that was. Uh, Lodge is uh, merged in with another one. The building is abandoned at this point, no electricity. Um, went up there for lodge research to recover some of the uh, the lodge minute books that were still there. And we're going through this place with a flashlight. And one of the things I saw is they had the original tin ceiling, had what we thought was the original tin ceiling, the original big, huge gas lamps. Mm -hmm. But in the east, unfortunately, the, the ceiling was caving in from just disrepair throughout the years. And by shining a flashlight up there, we saw that that original tin ceiling actually wasn't the original tin ceiling. And underneath it, we had some boards that they had pinned it to. They actually put up a new over the old tin ceiling. That original one, true original one, uh, was hand painted with leaves of acacia as the border going all the way around. So to be able to find aspects like that and see that bit of history shining through, I think it'd be a shame to cover it up, to be honest. The, the pride and the workmanship that they put in to those lodges and even like the the furniture of the lodges is a whole different ball game than what we see today oh definitely definitely so what would you say as we're kind of coming to the end of the hour here what is maybe the weirdest masonic thing that you have collected or purchased that you just couldn't say no to um probably the one of the weirdest things i have is a casket plate um Back, I can't remember what year it was, 17, 1917 probably, they used to put casket plates on caskets before they buried them. And this had the guy's name, the day he died, and then the square and compass on it. Mm. And most generally, they went down with the casket. Well, somebody pulled this one off the casket before the guy was buried. And I have it. I have, it's a brass plate that's probably six inches wide and three inches tall. It has the brother's name on it and it has the date he passed away. And then it has a big square and compass that goes the whole, the whole area. And I never have seen another one again. I've, I've looked and looked and looked and looked and I've never seen another one. Um, I was actually trying to, trying to find it tonight. And I know it's in my stash somewhere. I just didn't go through enough boxes, but, uh, that's one of the things I've got a, I've got a Masonic urn in there that, Thankfully, the brother's not in, but I don't, it's never been it's never been sealed, so I know it never was used. But I have no idea how the gentleman got it that I bought it from. But uh, there's there's just there's a lot of odd things that I've picked up that maybe didn't seem odd when I bought them, but when I started researching, them, I'm like, well, that's kind of strange. But but there, yeah, I've got you know, kind of like the the Civil War letter to the Senate, you know. Will I ever find another one? Probably not. I probably, right. I probably have one of the only ones in existence, but 
I, I, I don't want to not share it with people. That's why, you know, I've got, I'm going to get it professionally framed and stuff. We're, we're, I, I built, or I didn't build it. We have an extra bedroom in our house that I made into my Masonic room. Well, I've outgrown it in about a year. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. And you don't, you don't realize when you're buying stuff, you think, oh, this is just a book or this is that, or this is that. Right. But when you start putting it on shelves, you're like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here. <laughs> yep. As my wife is watching this and rolling her eyes because this <laughs> used to be our guest bedroom. <laughs> That's the way my eventually she gave up. Now the kids and everyone just refer to it as the Mason room. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's the way mine is. The only thing that I'm lacking that I don't have that I'm still trying to find decently priced is a a Masonic doorknob to go on it. That's one thing that I want to put on there. I've seen them out there and they are, if you want to spend about $60, but yeah, I, but I, I don't want a new one because they don't look near as cool. So I'll, find it if i have to if i have to get one attached to the door still i'll do that but (laughs) right right so i want to bring up here just because we're talking about you know archaeology and these old artifacts i get into the weird stuff obviously uh and i might grab it real quick give me two seconds so Brothers that know me know that I have an affinity for some of the weird stuff, I guess, that maybe some people wouldn't call Masonic history, um, but I like to preserve it. My my good friend and brother, Brother Cree, uh, Keith, back up uh, east, sent me this in the mail and says, I think this is going to end up in the trash, and you may be one of the only brothers that uh, see the, the, the value in this and actually see this as Masonic history. I get in the mail this piece of wood, and... If you look real close, that has got a nail in it. That ain't a new nail. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. So this actually came off of this building here. Mason's Hall built in 1785. And it says here, this was for... See, Host Stevens Jr. took his degree in this building, Hiram Lodge of West Cambridge gave his degree dates, but basically what happened here, 1785. And this is a old Masonic temple. They, it was the window seal, right? Mm -hmm. They were rebuilding this or not rebuilding, but rehabbing it in early 1900s and had to take out this piece of broken window seal. And that got put in the Masonic museum for quite a while. Well, no one saw the value in it, so it kind of got shoved into a closet and stuff. And Brother Keith was kind enough to pop it in a box and ship it down to me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Heck yeah, that's Masonic history. And just the fact that it still has the nail in there from the late 1700s is just the kicker for me. I will that's, keep this thing for the rest of my life. That's priceless there. Stuff like that. Stuff like right now, I said we're, we're rehabbing our lodge. Uh, brother Justin Staley kind of brought this to my attention. Who's who's on the comments with us here tonight, but we had a real bad roof leak for some time and a lot of our tin ceiling was rusting out. So we covered them up with some plastic ones for the time being. We're finally at that point, we're getting everything painted and, and taken care of. So we're, we're trying to replace those tiles. Couldn't believe it. We found a company in Missouri 
that still remanufactures the exact same tiles. Well, come mm -hmm. to find out, it's not just looks like the same tile, it's the same tiles. These designs were hand carved into these, uh, these dies, they're proprietary. Mm -hmm. This company was uh, launched just 10 years before our building was built. It's the same company that produced the tiles in our lodge now. They had these oh, machines like in the stamps. back of their warehouse. Yeah, they had these machines. They didn't know what they were. They brought them back to life, started remanufacturing for buildings. They're using the same dies on the same machines. They're not using hydraulic presses. It's you pull them down and drop, pull down and drop. So we're going to have new tiles made off the same machines with the same die from our exact original tiles. History like that, man, <laughs> I can nerd out all night on that. Exactly right. And I hope you guys do something with the old tiles too. Put them, you know. We we are trying to keep as many as we can. The ones that we're having to replace are so ate up. We may be able to keep a few pieces, but we had a really bad leak in one spot and they just kind of got eight to nothing. But well, we are at the nine o'clock hour. So we want to go and we can chat a few minutes after if you like, but we want to do our toast here. So brother, I want to ask you, what are you toasting with this evening? Um, I'm toasting with a little bit of uh, a whiskey. Um, Fantastic. You got any kind of a special glass there? No, actually, I don't. I uh, All my uh, Masonic glasses are inside. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, but, when you toast, any glass is a special glass, right? Yep, yep. But uh, Well, I said last time I'm working with a little whiskey as well, down to the bottom of our Pendleton. Hopefully be killing that off pretty soon here. Show a little bit of history of our Leadership Academy and glasses from what I'm toasting with tonight. And brother, you've been to Leadership Academy in Kansas? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you probably know this is typically what you see with a Masonic cannon. I think this is typical anywhere in masonry, right? Well, when I well, let me see, this is 2019. We would see these. One year, they ordered these. I think they were a little cheaper. And oh boy, that led to an interesting table lodge. People were <laughs> filling these up, right? So we had some talks and then they went back to this size and they're like, yeah, we can't do those big ones anymore. That, that was crazy. I show up at Leadership Academy this year. I don't know who ordered these or if they were just having a bad day and needed to work it out. This is what we got for toasting cannons this year. Oh, my. <laughs> Full size. Believe it or not, it was a very uh, mild but enjoyable table lodge. I think I think this scared brothers off from going too crazy. Absolutely. So if you, if you will, brother, I will ask you to deliver our toast this evening. I'd like to toast to Masonic history. Um, the ones that preserve it, like me and you, and the ones that are going to, hopefully, when uh, when people like us get get them involved in it and get them uh, get them to see the interest and in the in the significance of Masonic history, because Masonic history, when it boils down to, it, is the history of our country. You know, our country was built off of off of a lot of the Masonic uh, ideas. And we need to keep that going because it's not just Kansas history. It's not just Masonic history. It's the United States. Our history is, is Masonic history. So I'd like to make a dose of that. Cheers. You're here, brother. Well, brother, thank you so much for coming on this evening. 
it was truly uh, an enjoyable experience to hear some about your collection, uh, getting to geek out with somebody that has the affinity and old Masonic objects like myself. Definitely got to put out there. If you come across minute books, let me know. We need to get those digitized for Lodge Research and in mm -hmm. our in our archive. Um, but brother, definitely keep us up to date. And uh, I want to invite it, everyone. No, go ahead. If anybody has anything that they they're looking for or they're wanting to get rid of, get a hold of one of us. Um, definitely. If you're, if you're if you don't know what it is, get a hold of us. If we don't know what it is, we'll find out. Um, and and then hopefully you'll know the significance of it. And and if nothing else, you know, I, I, I try to make it, I try to show my collection so other people start collecting. So we don't lose this history because like you said earlier, there's a lot of people that don't know what stuff is like, like the blue tubes with the, with the aprons in them. A lot of yeah. families didn't know what they were. So they didn't get, uh, they didn't get to go down with the brother, but uh, we need to get that word out and, and let people know that if you have stuff, Bring it back to, to, to Masons. We'll we'll gladly display it or get it to people that need to get needs to get to. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, a lot of this I would say is not about filling items on our shelves, right? It's if it doesn't end up in our collection, we want it to end up somewhere safe because what it's about is preserving that history at the end of the day. And we just want to make sure that those items are not thrown in the trash, not just forgotten about that. They have the opportunity uh, to be preserved, be protected, and uh, kind of learn that history that came along with them. Everything tells a story. Uh, as brother from Gracious Greek on YouTube was talking about in the beginning about those ancient artifacts going way back. Mm -hmm. The weird thing is the stuff that we hold here today are those ancient artifacts of the future, right? Mm-hmm. I struggle with that personally. I know, I know you said you're, you're not so much into modern day stuff. I struggle with that as well because it's hard for me to look at the toasting cannon. I just got recently at leadership Academy and say, Oh, that's history mm -hmm. to it me. This be. is just a, it, it will be right to me. It's just my toasting cannon from leadership Academy, but this is the history of tomorrow. And that's sure. the interesting thing about it. Your, right? grand, your grandson could be toasting with that someday. And that's the history. hundred percent. Well, yeah, Brother Gracious Greek here just said masonry is a living artifact, and I couldn't agree with that more. That is uh, so true. So, brothers, I, I want to invite everyone, before we get into closing comments here, I want to invite everyone to definitely check out the Facebook group, Historical Light Research Group on Facebook. And if you have artifacts like this, throw them in there. That's what that group is based around, is to preserve and share that Masonic history. Uh, so when you find stuff, stuff you have already, throw it in there. Let's let's start a chat about it and uh, bring that history back to life and not just see it for its face value, but learn where it came from and what its importance is. That's where the, the real magic lies in Masonic artifacts. Absolutely. I actually sent uh, a couple months back, I sent a whole box of stuff to a lodge in New York that uh, I'd purchased a bunch of stuff off of eBay because I was on there one night. Nobody was bidding on this a lot of stuff. So I bought it and I got it back to the house. And I thought it's probably from a lodge that has been since uh, combined with another one. And I actually got a hold of the, the secretary of that lodge. And I had the original, it was the original um, pamphlet from when they dedicated that lodge. I had, oh, wow. and they did not have one. 
<laughs> so that's crazy. I pictures of it to them, and they were like, "That was the day that our lodge, uh, the cornerstone, was laid." And we don't have one of those. So if you would send it to us, that'd be great. And I ended up donating. Uh, I had a whole slew of stuff that I donated back to them. Um, and, and New York monitors, but that—that's what it's about. It's not about you know how much that, stuff that old saying, right? One man's trash is another man's treasure because you took the opportunity to pick up that little bit of Masonic history, not even Kansas related. You just saw the importance in it. You were able to connect the dots in a huge way mm -hmm. for a lodge somewhere. I mean, how massive is that? that you, that's insane. Uh, I, uh, I talked to the, to the master one night on the phone and his excitement was was it, it really inspired me quite a bit to to keep keep searching for that stuff not not overlooking it if i see it on on facebook or i see it on uh ebay or etsy or you know it, it reminded me that there is somebody somewhere that needs that and just because they're not on ebay that day or they're not on etsy that day or you know to purchase this stuff you know i i I never resell Masonic stuff. I was taught not to. Mm -hmm. I know that that's not always across the board the way it is. I was always taught if you if you are going to give a Masonic item away, you give it to that brother. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I've always, you know, everybody that comes to see my collection, I say, take something with you. If it's not, if it's not, uh, if it's not for you to wear, start a collection with it. Start doing like what me and you do where we, where we buy this stuff so it doesn't go in the trash or so it doesn't go, you don't see it in an antique store or see it at a flea market. Selling them, you know, being sold by people that have no idea what they are. And I was even yeah. guilty this last time around, not knowing the significance of what I bought until I contacted that lodge. And I had three members of that lodge call me and say, you have no idea how excited we are to see this. You know that if you can't do that for a brother, what are you going to do? I mean, to, to see that excitement in them, and and I think I know I know at least the master he said I'm going to start doing more research on this and see if I can't find more artifacts. So, and right there you you spark that uh, you spark that connection in the Masonic history. You got someone doing research. So you touched on something, and I think I'll use this as as my closing comments, and we'll hand it over to you for closing comments. But we mentioned or I mentioned early on in the episode the double edged sword side of this, mm -hmm. and teach their own you know this is this is my two cents i've teeter-tottered on it for a while and obviously i'm a collector so i do pay for masonic items mm -hmm. i struggle with that in certain regards and, and like i said i've, I've teeter-tottered on this but when i got into the lodge of research and we started looking to make sure we recover our, our, our uh, jurisdiction's history right I've shared before, we got into some situations where people have came across the attainment of entire Kansas Lodge's minute books. I mean, mm -hmm. the entire history of that lodge, they got it for pennies, if you know, not maybe five bucks, something like that, right? In a state sale. And then they go online and post it for $5,000 because they think there's magical spells and this and that in it. Mm -hmm. Anyone that has read a minute book knows it is some of the most mundane stuff oh, out there. Boring stuff, yep. A hundred percent. The only value in it is historical. That's what they're made for. And unless you are into that specific history, no one else is going to get it. No one else is going to get it. So 
where I struggle with is this market that we've gotten into of this high bid culture around anything with the term masonry on it. It feeds that market where instead of brothers selling it that are going to be genuine and fair in the pricing and tell you what it's worth because it's a brother, right? Mm -hmm. We've got wholesalers and retailers and, you know, antique shop owners out there that say, oh, masonry, this is yep. worth thousands. And they're going to put it on that shelf. It's not going to sell and it's just going to get tossed or it's going to go to somebody that doesn't appreciate it, that thinks it's something that it's not. And it's eventually also going to end up in the trash. That's where I struggle with that side of it. My two cents, obviously, if it's fair priced and I can recover it, I still do. I struggle when there's stuff out there overpriced because you're feeding the market, right? Exactly right. So, I don't know. But anyways, Masonic archaeology, I think is fascinating to, to be able to look at that progression of the Masonic science in its physical form. Uh, to get a look at how masonry has connected with people throughout the ages is just amazing to me. Something that means so much to us to be able to see the physical remnants of that from so many years past, uh, be it from your relatives or from brothers that you have never met before. Uh, the first Masonic artifact I ever collected, um, I was on a job site just a new Mason and the guy that I was working for happened to have a Knights Templar sword. I'm not a Knights Templar, not in the York, right? I'd only seen him before, but when I looked at it and I saw the brother's name inscribed on the sheath, I couldn't turn it down to me. It was a brother and it was just sitting in somebody's side room that didn't know what it was. And I wanted to protect that and preserve it. And that was the first bit I bought. So it easily becomes an addicting sport to some degree. Uh, but the same way we've gone through that path and we know what that special meaning is within us. That's often hard to put into words. And when you see something like that, like an apron, like a fez that you have, like the Masonic Bible, so many of these things, the chairs even, right? It has that physical connection to somebody's Masonic path. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. And I, I think it is definitely worth preserving uh, to be able to to have that physical uh, connection and just kind of bask in this glory a little bit is a is a very cool experience and I, I think definitely worth uh, seeing through. So with that brother, I will pass it to you for final thoughts on your end. Um, I guess my final thoughts would be uh, I'm with you on the for lack of a better term price gouging on Masonic history. Um, most generally in the past, Masons were known for being quote unquote wealthy. Um, mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, that's not the, that's not the case anymore. You know, uh, I, I'm not independently wealthy as I'm sure you are not either, but, uh, we will buy stuff if it's within our, within our means. And mm -hmm. that's what all the stuff I have. I don't have anything that I paid thousands of dollars for. I, I don't, I've bought everything. Um, Either, either at antique stores, which a lot of my antique stores that I deal with, they they don't price gouge me just because they know I'm not going to resell it. And I tell everybody that. I, right. I'm, not, I'm not in it to resell it. I don't believe in reselling it. Um, I give, I don't know how many thousands of dollars worth of stuff a year away just because I know it's going to go to use. You know, there's two brothers here in Colby. 
that uh, I've, I've helped start a collection and now they've got the bug and they're collecting. Um, but I always told them and I tell everybody that comes in here, like I said before, take something with you, you know, you, you, you're going to look at my collection and something that I see every day. You're going to look at and go, wow, that is really, really neat. Take it with you because I seen the light in your eyes when you seen it. And that's what it's about. It's about intriguing something. It's about starting that, that I wonder what else I can learn deal. And, and that's what started. 100%. And, and I, and, and I know it started you as well. It's the, it's the, like we talked about the chairs, it's the, the unknown part, the, the, you know, if, if the walls could talk, if the furniture could talk kind of a deal, you know, what, what, what people went through these chairs, what people were in lodge with these chairs. And that's the biggest thing that, and that's part of the saving the history, you know, to, I guarantee the people at Cozad Lodge would never think that I'd have their chairs, but I would gladly give them back to a lodge up there if they would use them. Because For all, sure. all my, I, I don't want my stuff to end up at a, in a yard sale or a flea market or an antique store. I want it to be passed down. I saved it from, from those places and I want it to be passed down. And whether it's my kids, whether it's your kids, whether it's somebody on the other side of the world's kids, if they can appreciate it the way I appreciate it, then they should have, they should have some of it too. Right. That's awesome, man. Well, I am, uh, I'm so thrilled that you took the time to come on with us this evening. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have this chat with you. I can't wait to keep in touch with you and see what new stuff you find and uh, what history you uncover from it. Cause I, th I think that's a huge part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Not just the, not just the piece itself, but the story behind it. Uh, exactly. so powerful behind this. So thank you again for coming on. I appreciate every, for everyone for joining for us everybody out there for, for watching hundred percent. Yeah. Everyone joining live with us tonight. Thank you guys. Uh, make sure you like subscribe, share, and join the team. Go support us at, uh, historical slash support. We will see you guys next time in what, two weeks here. And until then check us out on the historical light group online. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for watching. Thank <laughs> you.